RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Tuesday comes around so quick. Isn't there some rude thing about see you Tuesday? I've heard that somewhere. There's something about the acronym of that. Anyway, we're not here for that. Tuesday is Tech Tuesday. Stephen Sykes joins me again from his, what what would you call it, Mission Control Centre? <laughs> um, a base two kilometres below the surface of the earth. Yeah, with um, with blast-proof doors. Well, hey, it's warm down here, you know, towards the centre of the earth, so I don't need to pay much for heating. If you hear some some banging and tapping and vibration, it's um, uh, it's the guy from Meta, Zuckerberg, making his bunker next door, okay? Well, actually, fun fact about that, um, if you go and seek out the documentary, it's called Terms and Conditions May Apply, uh, right. you can actually buy it. Um, I think you can purchase it through uh, Vimeo. In that, um, we learned that Mark Zuckerberg bought every house on the block so he could have privacy. So he owns the whole block? He owns the block. He bought just so he could get privacy. Okay, right, and somewhere, somewhere in the block is him. Yeah, some, somewhere in the block is him. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're that wealthy, you can do things like that. I, well, do you, no, do no you one see the there. irony? Do you see the irony? Yeah, 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 yeah. Isolation. Yeah. like Not, not yeah. very social networky, is it? Yes, very spy networky, and yet I, oh, I, right, want I, my pri- yet I want my privacy sold by all the houses on the block. Yeah. Well, I, presumably all those other houses are empty. They probably look like there's someone in them, like, you know, blazing saddles with the the town, you know, the, just the right. front and nothing behind. Um, but uh, he wouldn't have people living in them. He doesn't need the rent. Either that or um, his besties. And what does he do, I wonder? He walks around with his VR goggles on. and No, oh, who knows? Who, who knows? <laughs> anyway, I believe he does have a bunker and all the elite have bunkers. And you've yeah, got to ask I, yourself, what, what do they know? You know, that we don't <laughs> Edging a bit. Anyway, um, okay, I've been looking forward to this because I'm a bit nerdy on this one, AI. Yeah, um, well, actually, um, today's session of Tech Tuesday differs from that previously advertised. We apologise for any any inconvenience this may cause because um, I thought we'd we'd bump AI a week because... um, Oh, so was that some, some kind of consumer announcement or public service announcement? Something like that, uh, yeah. Um, so uh, the re- you, the re- you didn't say that your views don't necessarily reflect those of the radio station. Uh, okay, we'll add that in too. Okay, well, I added it in. All right, what, so we're not doing AI. What, what he oh. said. <laughs> nah. Hey, hey, there's time for that. Um, but a, a gentleman known as Richard um, asked a question, oh. and he, he's asked about open source operating systems um, outside of the Microsoft world, like Ubuntu and VPNs. And if they're worth looking into as we become more concerned about privacy issues. So the answer to that question is yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so we'll delay the AI. <clears throat> we'll delay the AI. And uh, yeah. VPNs, we covered at around the same time as email, and that was back on May 23rd. So go listen I, I, to wait on. the I want you. I want you to talk with chat GTP. I want you to ask questions, have a conversation, and bring those back for the AI. I want to be very curious to know how that goes, okay? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Try and stump it. Can, or is that possible? Or is that not the way it works? Well, you can, you can um, 
a carefully crafted question could um, definitely. What is um, a woman? Yeah. I'm sure that's been done. <laughs> I'm sure that's been asked a lot of times. Um, I've asked. Like short circuits. Yeah, I, I've asked uh, Chat GPT about um, the Python programming language. Um, oh. I, I asked it when, uh, no, sorry, I asked it what the current version of Python is, and it said 3.10, and I said, I thought, no, it's not, it's like 3.11. And then I said, when does 3.11 come out? And then it said, um, I think it was December 2021, like, well, hang on, that's already happened. Um, but this, oh. this was a slightly earlier version of ChatGPT. The confused version. Yeah. Well, they're not quite up-to-date version. No, okay. All right. Sorry to um, take you off track. So um, open source operating systems. Yes. So okay. uh, we need to slip the word free in front of that. Oh, free. Okay. Um, and if, if you're pedantic like me. Right. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, the most popular free open source operating system is technically called um, GNU Linux, and you've got a bunch of different, shall we say, flavors um, of Linux that you can use. Um, think of it like ice cream. Ice cream is still ice cream, but you can get it in a lot of flavors. So the most popular one, if you like, you might want to call it the poster boy um, of Linux distributions is uh, one called uh, Ubuntu, which was created by a self-made, um, was he a millionaire or a billionaire? He's a billionaire, probably. He's got a lot of money. Um, he is one of the few people who uh, paid for himself to get training to go into outer space. Oh, okay. So he's got that level disposable. He's got, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he created Ubuntu, and that's what a lot of people uh, tend to use because it's quite easy to use. Um, another popular one is Linux Mint. Mint is in the breath freshener type substance you stick in your mouth or whatever. Um, hmm. More popular, not, not more popular necessarily, but um, more commonly, there's another one out there called Pop OS, Pop as in that kind of pop, pop. Yeah, pop. Um, Isn't that a like a um, describe something in a server? Oh, uh, pop. Um, post oh, office so. protocol. That's yes, you're right. Yeah. That's a method for and an, well, it's an older um, method for fetching email. Um, well, well chat GTP will be right up to date with that one then. Yeah, well, it's been around since forever. Yeah. Like, um, fun fact, there are, when it comes to talking to email servers, the old method, I think there are exactly six commands you could give a server. Wow. So many. No, it's, well, that's all you need. Gosh, that's simple. Hey, I've found out what Ubuntu means. Are you interested? Yep. A quality that includes the essential human virtues, compassion, and humanity. It's South African. Yes. And there is a need for understanding, not vengeance, Ubuntu not victimization. Yep. There you go. There you go. Carry on. So it, there's a whole kinds of ways you can get hold of um, something like Ubuntu or the next mint, and you can buy from places a USB memory stick, and you can pop that into your computer. And the cool thing is, and I think it was about 2006 when Ubuntu introduced this and then all the other distributions followed, 
is that you can start your computer up with this memory stick in your computer, run the uh, Linux operating system without committing to installing it. So you start the machine up with the memory stick in there and everything loads off the memory stick. So when it's fully loaded, you've, you've got all your usual things like a web browser, an office suite, a um, bunch of other tools, you know, uh, typically Thunderbird for doing email, that's all there. And everything that you do inside that environment, and it's called a live environment, everything you do gets thrown away when you shut it down. Oh, yeah. So if, if you need to uh, use a Linux on a machine that doesn't already have it, or you don't trust the operating system that's installed, and if it's Windows or something else, then, yep, you've got good reason to not trust it. Yeah. Then you can use the computer hardware and running Linux off the memory stick. Basically, it's a, a temporary personality swap out, if you like. It, like having your, your own mobile operating system in your pocket. Yep, exactly. For wherever yep. you need it. All you wherever need is a machine, right? Mm -hmm. okay. That's right. Yeah, that's well thought out. And if you d uh, want to later on, when you've you know played around with it and you, and you like the feel of it, um, then you can commit to installing it. Okay. And Linux will notice that you've have already got another operating system there. You know, it's normally Windows, and it will divide your hard disk, or should I say, these days, solid state drive partition. Partition, thank you. I didn't want to use big words. <laughs> oh, in, in fact, that reminds me of a phrase, never use um, big words when a diminutive one will suffice. Yeah. So yep. it, 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 it'll divvy up um, your drive and it will shift windows over and then leave space for Linux. So it, it could be a 50-50 split depending on uh, what kind of commitment you think you want to do. You said solid state. Yeah. Uh, does it do it on um, the other drives? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which other drivers are you thinking? You know the ones that were around and and around. Oh, the old school ones. I've yeah, got yeah. one in a box here. You know, out of an old machine. I turn it on. I can hear it whirring. Yeah. Well, if that you, sort. They're pretty reliable, though. I've got to say, for all the whirring they do. Yeah, I mean, Linux was technically created in 1992 by a Finnish guy called Linus Torvalds, and it actually goes back further than that to about 1984, a guy called Richard Stallman, who uh, is, if you like, the founding father of the free open source um, movement, if you like. It sort of came about because, you know, back then um, software tended to be free because hardware was expensive. Oh, okay. So yep. you just simply got given the software because it, it, that was considered lower cost or of lower value compared to what the hardware was. Isn't that an interesting evolution then? It is. And the thing for Richard is, Richard Stallman, um, is that he, uh, I'm scratching my memory here, he got really ticked off um, by a printer manufacturer because it wasn't working as um as it was supposed to, I think there might have been a bug in the printer software. And he thought, well, if I could just have the look at the code, I could fix this myself. Um, but they didn't want to play that game. They'd much rather have it not working properly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you see, 
that's one of the great things with the free open source software, right? You know, it's like looking at the recipe for baking a cake or some other dish. You can see the ingredients and in the terms of the printer driver, oh, hang on, there's a bug here. I see the problem. I can fix it. And then when I fixed it, everyone else who's using the same printer can then benefit. um, um, That's pretty cool. That is. And you've you've got some big, big brains working on these things too. So you're going to get good results. Yes. So the the core of Linux operating system, the kernel, um, a lot of big companies, you know, big tech companies actually contribute to it because it's actually in their best interests as well. Because if they were to make their own kernel, they'd have to start from scratch and basically reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So it's a lot easier if they stand on the shoulders of giants, as the phrase commonly goes. And uh, because in that case, you'd have to also, the, the, the code would have to differ enough so there's no impinging on intellectual property. So you well, can't just say, oh, we'll take a line from there and a line from there. and kind of Well, you can. No, no, but if you're going to make your own kernel. Ah, yes, you're right. If if you pinched free open source software and made any element of it, any yeah, any yeah. element of the code, you need to legally disclose that you've used it. Yeah, but commercializing it would would be another issue, wouldn't it? To make your own product, incorporating that. I suppose they have deals for that, do they? No, because that would go against open source. Yes. Um. So there's the GPL, the GNU Public License versions two and three. Oh. And so, like for Apple, um, they their operating system is ba- is is basically Unix based, which is, if you like, is the precursor to Linux, and they use the Darwin kernel, and that is protected by the BSD license, the Bernie Steinberg distribution license. Wow, I'm impressed. And they're uh, simply stated the licensing for that is you can do whatever the f you want to with it, okay. which is which is which is why. Um, which is why Apple use it because there's no legal repercussions. Well, that's you interesting do, that the world's most you want to with it. valuable company uses some open source in that way. You'd think that they would have done everything from the absolute atom up. In well, well, they used to, but you know, it's uh, then you end up taking on technical debt when you have something so um, so heavily customized. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it makes it makes um, commercial sense for them to use um, to base it on BSD to use Darwin because the licensing is favourable for them producing a commercial product. Right. Um, Linux. I've heard Linux is is it used a lot on the internet infrastructure in the world? If you took away, if you if you if you could do what Thanos does and, and snap your fingers after you've gotten your uh, five Infinity Stones. And everything that ran Linux disappeared. The majority of the internet would vanish. Okay. All um, most servers would go away. The vast majority would go away. Um, the top five hundred supercomputers on the planet would go away. Um, a lot of people who do research, um, weather forecasting, things like that. They all use Linux for it. In fact, your ability to connect to the internet would go away because your router that you have at home that maybe your ISP gave you or you went out and bought it yourself, under the under the bonnet, the engine is, is Linux. It's all customized, and that's one of the great things about Linux and free open source software 
it's extendable, it's extensible, you can wield it how you want to. And even if you don't have the skill set to do it, but you you can visualize an end goal or something you want to achieve, you can you can then employ someone else to go, hey, I want you to make this thing, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, um, top, top. Um, I was uh, thinking of people who are used to the Windows-based sort of layout and everything. Yeah. When you run those operating systems, have you got those similar icons and mm-hmm. you know, familiar navigation kind of? Oh, yeah. All, all that um, kind of stuff is there. You can even um, change the desktop environment to something else. You don't, like with Windows, it's, this is what we give you, suck it up, buttercup, if you don't like it. But on Linux, if you don't like one variation of the desktop, then you can you have the choice if you want to pick something else. So it visually looks different, but under the bonnet, it's still operating um, in the same way. You can even get desktop layouts that m- mimic a, um, a Macintosh. Okay. All so, right. So um, it's. I take it it's easy to put on if you wanted to swap over your operating system. Is it is it, is it a download? Is that how it works? Yes. So it's typically like um, uh, depends on which one you get, but it might be a, t- a couple of gigabytes. It's nothing these days. It's nothing these days, and and then there's um, heaps of uh, YouTube videos on how you can go about doing this. Um, Gosh, I find those videos handy, not not those ones specifically, but the how-to videos. Mm. Yep. Um, I find it a lot easier to uh, learn from those if I'm – like I've got my flight simulator, right, and they've changed mm. all the controls from the old version. So yep. nothing applies anymore. So I had to relearn the whole thing. And going through help was really no help. It's, it's <laughs> too much. But you hit a video. Someone's made a five-minute video. Boom, boom. It's done. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Um, what I like to do for people um, with Linux Mint, because the um, that's really, really easy to use as well, and it's probably a bit more familiar looking, um, I take the download and I customize it and I add extra things. Um, I install Signal. You can get Signal. Um, you know, you might use it on your phone, but you can use it on a computer. So I build the Signal app into it. Um, I chuck in Session. I chuck in extra web browsers like Brave, because that's not there by default. Firefox is, but Brave isn't. Um, I chuck that in. I chuck in another one called LibreWolf. And a, it's probably not the best choice, but um, another one called Team Viewer. So you can... Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, so you can help people out remotely. So... Uh, I give that to people um, so they can play with it and sort it themselves. And if they need um, help with stuff, then, you know, I can help them out remotely. There's something a bit freaky about your mouse pointer moving around the screen without you and, and accessing files without you doing it, even though you know someone's doing it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a bit disconcerting. It's a, it's a funny feeling. Okay. All right. So you, you really don't miss out on anything is what you're saying. Pretty much. And these days, you know, if, if you uh, are for some reason, you've, you find yourself over a barrel and you're having to use Microsoft Office 365, since you can access that through a web browser, you can do that 
through Linux, no problem at all. Um, I run nothing but Linux. Um, I do use Windows, but that's typically in anger. Um, for for um, what do you mean in anger? Well, I'd rather not be using it. Oh, um, okay, yeah, I see. But it, but it's for someone else's systems, and and that's the way you know it's made. You're like Doctor Strange, love. You're trying to stop your hand going to the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, now, do you need any particular spec machine? That's the other thing, because uh, um, you want it to run nice and smooth, right? Yeah. So you can run a fairly modern Linux on really old, crappy hardware. It doesn't need to be the latest and greatest at all. Um, some of the newer ones uh, might use a bit more memory than others, but if you've got um, a, an old machine that, you know, even something that's, in fact, I've got an old server that I use. I use it because it's low power. Um, I think that was made in 2010, and I'm running. Well, that's ancient. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's almost I, as old as your TV. It's a little older, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, dear. It's like, so, like a museum at your place, so. Yeah, well, at least it's technology I know I can trust. Well, here's a question. How many PCs do you think you've been through? Since you've been doing this, uh, well, no, I've in my time I've built a few machines. I I recall it was well, you know, ones it? you've worn out and had to update. Worn out, uh, ones about growing. Um, the first machine I built, uh, which ran Linux, was in nineteen ninety nine. Um, I built the machine by hand and I powder coated it actually and spray painted it and I made it look like a computer version of Kit. I even put oh, that's right, that's your obsession. Yeah, I even put we light in the front to make it look like, you know, the scanner from... Well, that was ahead of its time because they're doing that all the time. My one's got like a whole, you know, on the fan, a whole sort of rainbow effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did that like um, late 90s. Um, I haven't been through that many because by using Linux, you can, you know, um, get life again out of older hardware that just doesn't cut the mustard anymore uh, for Windows. You know, every time there's a new version of Windows coming out, you need to have more more RAM or more CPU power or more of this and more of that. Yeah. But, but that's not, not the case with, with Linux. You can have mm, something fairly lightweight. I mean, I talked about the uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, when I mentioned the Raspberry Pi computer. Uh, uh, vaguely, yep. Yep, something... Some models of those only have a gig of RAM. Others have four gigs of RAM. So that gives you an idea just how much you don't need. Yeah, that's, that's, of, a, that's a big difference. You need that big RAM, though, if you're doing games and things like that, right? Yes, and, and if you're doing video editing. Yeah, video, um, yeah. I, I use one called Caden Live uh, to do video editing. There's another one for uh, called OpenShot which works on Windows as well as Linux. These are all free? Yeah, it's free open source. Yeah. Well, I've been through about 12 computers. Yep. Since I, I seriously I can top that. And that's kind of burning them out. You know, something's gone wrong. But also, you mentioned that uh, RAM. I remember when there was like tens of megabytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyway. the first hard disk that came out that um, – that was consumer grade anyway. I'm trying to think now, was it five megabytes or was it 10? 
five or ten megabytes. Does it make any difference? I suppose if you're doing little little doc files and you know those one megabyte image files and stuff, you could do. Uh, they used to have, without going too far off track, they used to have. I remember had a friend who was um, in a financial uh, institution and in the computer center. I think it was Data Bank back in the day, and they had these big drums which looked like sort of water coolers, but not so tall. And they had these sort of um, series of discs, round discs in a stack in them. And they were like eight grand each. And they had something like, I don't know, 20 megabytes of storage or something. And they put them in those huge machines you see in like UFO, you know, that program with those things spinning around. And yeah. it would whir and, and, and clank. But, you know, the physical size of them, the cost of them, Compared to now, it's just incredible. It is. It is more quite mind blowing. Yes. Yeah, I hope someone saved one of those in a museum somewhere. Oh, there will be. Absolutely. There's an I idea for you. Yeah, <laughs> I know that kind of space. Yeah. Well, I've thrown away all my old PCs now. I keep the hard disks though. Mm. Yep. Anyway, sorry to take you off track. Where were we? We're talking about devices. Anything? Anyone else? What about phones? Can you have them on phones? That well, actually. Operate? Actually, you can. It's not quite as developed as, say, using Android because Android is quite focused and specific for the phone, for phones. Although that said, Android at the very core does run the Linux kernel. Uh, which one? Uh, depends on the age of your phone because the Linux kernel matures and so version numbers go up and up. But they don't. didn't you have a name for the last one? What was the name? Oh, yeah, they're just names of distribution. So, oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Android is arguably a distribution of Linux. So, you have the Linux kernel at the core, and then you have all your apps that run on top of it in, in a sandboxing type environment. Because the Linux guy must be wealthy as hell. He does get paid by the Linux Foundation, yes. And he, he is the, uh, what do they call it? Um, Benevolent dictator for life. Oh, okay. Well, that's well. We like benevolent dictators. They get things done in a nice way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, uh, uh, he owns the IP. I take it or the foundation. Well, well, it's free open source software, so no one owns it. Oh, right. I need to get the point on this. Yeah, no one owns it. So, like, if you're going to go and uh, uh, I don't know, find someone to go and sue about it. Good luck with that. What if he changes his mind? You know, well, sod this. Well, None of you are grateful. He can't because the GPL licensing. If you if you write not just him, but if anybody publishes free open source software, and it, and they say that it's um, distributed under under the GPL license two or license three, those licenses specifically state that you can't change your mind. Oh, okay. And that's not a, a case you could take or, or, or a, can't fight that in any court. Well, you could attempt to. Yeah. But you agreed to the licensing when you released it. Yep, I got it. The whole concept of open source is, yeah, it it's, doesn't belong to anyone. Yeah, or belongs to everyone. Well, and, everyone, yeah. Uh, yeah, and unlike, um, you know, the closed source proprietary stuff. Like water. Uh, yeah. Like water. Not going to get three Linuxes. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Linux E? I don't know. 3.0. Yeah. Well, it's up to 10 now. So, 
Okay. Is there anything we need to know, anything more we need to know about those two operating systems? Are there any other operating systems that, that you there's, should mention at this point? There's quite a there's quite an awful lot, but if, if you're starting out, then you know, check out Ubuntu, check out Linux Mint or Pop OS. Uh, Pop OS is made by a um, system 76. They also make um, computers with their own Linux operating system on it. If you um, want to get into something really um, nitty-gritty, Kali Linux, K-A-L-I, is a security-focused distribution of Linux, which has a whole bunch of penetration testing tools on it. So if you want to do things like um, crack uh, Wi-Fi passwords on networks, um, it's got tools for that. If you want to do strength testing on your own uh, website or something, it's got tools for that as well. Okay. Um, there's absolutely something out there for everyone. You've got other ones like Fedora, Debian, um, OpenSUSE, which is a German distribution. The Germans again. Yeah, the Germans. Um, you've got... Uh, yeah, what is it with these Europeans? Now we've got the, what is it, the Norwegians or the Swedish? Or the, the Swedish. Linux? Yeah, Swedish. you got the Swiss. you got the Germans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really into this, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking if we just move on quickly, um, how did the uh, de-Googleizing your phone response go? Well, um, pretty much at the end of Tech Tuesday last week, my phone went ping, 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 ping. And in the first hour, I got about 10, 10 people who had replied to me or, or taken up the offer. Um, and since then, there's been a, um, a casual, uh, I won't say influx, but a casual trickle uh, trickle of uh, more people uh, emailing and asking um and so i replied to them to say okay well here's what the googling looks like here's some links for you to look at to help you choose what kind of phone you think you might want yeah um just sort of a bit more guidance and it's a few paragraphs worth and i appreciate that it's um a great deal of information to digest but it's to design i i wrote it to try and you know um Tell people how it really is. I'm not trying to trying to downplay yeah. the importance of having a Google phone, but um, this is the things you need to consider. Yeah, you know, in terms of what kind of phone that you might already have, and if you're having to buy informed consent, informed consent, that. exactly. It's like if you don't feel like you've got a choice, then you're over a barrel, really. Yeah. Well, that's a great response, I'd say. I'd say so. Um, I'm sort of getting back to people, you know, two or three days uh, after they message me usually, um, just, you know, balancing everything. Yep. Yeah, as best I can. Okay. So if you text or email Stephen, give it a couple of days. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. So are we um, all done on operating systems, alternative operating systems? I think we are. Um, if anybody also wants a uh, version of Linux Mint with the customizations that I mentioned, um, with the extra web browsers and Signal and other things installed, um, again, drop us a line and maybe I can, you know, post something back to you or something like that. If you post me a memory stick, that kind of thing, um, I can write cool. one and you can play with it. Actually, another another option you have if you want to, but this is sort of slightly ticky is that you can try out Linux inside a virtual machine on your computer. 
so you can run two virtual, operating- just explain virtual machine one more well uh, you may have done it before but just one more time what's exactly is a virtual machine is that a machine within a um, within a machine yes so it's like russian dolls you've got one oh, doll right. inside a doll so um the the ram and the hard disk space is uh um allocated on demand to any guest operating systems that you're running and you can have them both on screen at once huh? and, cool. and um simply stated the virtual the, the operating system that is running as a virtual machine typically doesn't know or care that it is a virtual machine oh, so it doesn't even know it is one <laughs> t- technically it can know but by and large most of the applications don't know so what's the difference between knowing it's a virtual machine and not well, what does that mean that you can and can't do in practical terms it um doesn't mean anything okay well we don't need to spend too much time on that then do we no i, I was just being pedantic <laughs> all right now i'm looking forward to uh next chat because ai really does interest me and um not so much from a you know software point of view or the technology side of it but what what where it could go what it means you know and um so i hope you've done your homework <laughs> oh yes we're, we're even might even look at it from a geopolitical point of view because that's such an important angle to go with yeah there seems to be i think there's a couple of governments now using ai to formulate policy maybe one in south america maybe you'll know more about that and um i'm hearing of companies now doing quite a bit of admin work assisted by sort of basic ai so there's your thin end of the wedge for white collar jobs right there pretty much yeah yeah and and in terms of uh well it's not really ai per se but in terms of being aware of the uh digital prison that uh, I talked about um, back when we were talking about privacy. In London, there's a little supermarkets called Aldi. Yep, heard of that. Uh, yep, they have implemented a system whereby in order to get into the shop, you need to install their app on your phone. And then after you've done that, to get through, shall we say, the ticket gate, you need to use your phone to scan the QR code. Oh, not one of those bloody QR code scanning things. Yeah. Well, see, don't forget, QR codes are not the enemy. It's how it's implemented. I'll tell you what the enemy is, though, is the the ritualistic physical action of holding up that thing and placing it in front of something. But if you remember the... I don't like that. Oh, yeah, but... We kind of got conditioned to do that because, if you recall, not all that long ago, a lot of people were doing exactly that to get into cafes and restaurants. That's why I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a form of control. It's a form of spying. It is privacy invading, and do not comply. Um, what it does for some people, because I observed, I used to walk through the viaduct every day to work and back. So I saw a lot of hospitality businesses, restaurants and things like that, and desperate people, you know, fumbling for their phone out of their handbags, you know, like it's, you know, you're dying for <laughs> of thirst or something and mm. scrambling it and sort of, you know, desperately getting it out and putting it up. And I thought, that's not a good look. No, no it's not. You're a slave. No. Yes. At that level. Anyway, 
Okay. Well, that's bad news to hear about that, the supermarket. So they're not letting you in unless you've got the app, which means you're not in the club unless you've got the app. So free shopping disappears. Yep. You just can't wonder. They'll all do it, won't they? I think that, yeah, probably will, unless a lot of, you know, if you go woke, you go broke. So Yeah, if, that's the, yeah. If, if, if you, you know, you're a company that buys into that, then people just might walk away and go and use some shop somewhere else because that's something I'd be doing. I'm not so sure about human nature anymore. No, well, you know, it's being argued that people are effectively like computers. Our minds can be programmed to believe whatever with enough nudging and with enough in-your-face do this or suffer the consequences. Um, And only those with the spine of a jellyfish will um, conform to that. You can just imagine, you know, Oh, they don't have an Aldi app on their phone. They don't have one, you know. Have you heard? They don't have one of those. You can just yeah. hear it. Yeah. Tribal well. at the supermarket. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, um, let's see if your phone goes beep after this, and we'll get back uh, next Tuesday for AI. It's pretty not video because we'd like to play a few deep fakes. Yeah. How do you know I'm real? <laughs> you're not fake i'm not fake we're not fake we could describe it like yeah and yes. now the deep fake of obama is coming up to the lectern <laughs> <laughs> no it's not the same all right so until next tuesday stephen sykes thanks so much thanks very much rcr with paul brennan reality check radio